but I thought it would be an amazing way to kick off a brand new series called Going Pro. Today, we're we're talking about, we've been talking about idols, and we've been talking about how to kick idols and and put God back at the the forefront of our lives. And today, I want to kick off a series called Going Pro. And what we're going to talk about is going pro in our spiritual life, our work life, our family life, our personal life. How do we just go pro with God? What does that look like? What does that mean? And today, we're going to talk about this idea of process over product, process over over product. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to need you. I'm going to tell you right off the beginning though, if you'll work with me a little bit, it's that season where you get a little bit of cough and a little bit of drainage. Anybody with me in the room? You know what I'm saying? And so I'm preaching. I never do this. I'm preaching with a cough drop in today. So if the front row needs an umbrella a little bit more than normal, uh, just bear with me and don't get disgusted with me. You know what I'm saying? Um, But I, I don't know about you, but I joke about this a lot about my personality and how I'm wired. I'm wired not to be a very patient person. I know you're like, well, that's a fruit of the spirit, pastor. I get that, right? I understand that. That doesn't mean that I've grown it yet. It's just starting to sprout a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a very patient person. And because of that, I cannot stand waiting on anything. Have you ever looked forward to an event or a product or a time or something in your life and it feels like it takes forever to get here. You know what I'm talking about, right? I preach better when you help me. Um, so like, you know what I'm talking about? Like I, I have this phrase that I use because I heard it growing up is I was told this growing up a lot is your soul is Christmas. Anybody use that phrase? Why? We look forward to Christmas for so long and it takes so long to get here. You know what I'm saying? I love Christmas. I like Christmas. I like giving gifts. I like getting gifts. Let's be honest. And so it takes a little while to get here, and it feels like it, it takes a, a while. And I, I was thinking about this idea of process, and it takes a while to get here. I was thinking about college football, right? We got, we're in football season. We got any football fans in the room? Somebody? Come on. You know, we got two in-state schools, big-time in-state schools that are going to battle later in the year. You know, we got the University of South Carolina, the Fighting Gamecocks. <laughs> Praise him. That whoa, makes my blood pump peanut butter right there. Let's go. Love it. You know, and then you got the Clemson University Tigers. We have an altar service right after church for all of you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not really. But we have, they're going to battle later in the year, right? And we'll do, you know, some, we always do some fun stuff around that time and, and have a good time with that. But, you know, they spend all year long getting ready for 12 games. That's it, 12 games. They get like three months worth of games. They come in, but they spend every day of every week leading up to that. Can you imagine for 12 games? Because here's the thing, you know this as well as I do when you're thinking about football, you can take it to baseball, you can take it to anything, honestly. But they don't just wake up and go, you know what, the game's tomorrow. I'm gonna get on my diet now. I'm gonna memorize the playbook now. I'm gonna work on my arm and my accuracy if you're the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't wake up and do that. You start on January 1st 
and you start that eating regimen and that diet and you get your body in shape and you start memorizing the playbook and you start training your eyes to move at a certain speed and in certain directions and look for certain things and you train your body in the weight room and, 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 and you're working and you're working out and you're on the field throwing the routes and you're on the field hitting the tackling dummies and you're building your cardio and it's all the time and you're in places where nobody is at. Because everybody looks at college football and goes, man, it would be amazing to play a sport in front of 80,000 people screaming your name every, yeah, woo, touchdown, yeah. Sounds great. But what we don't pay attention to is that nobody was screaming their name in a celebratory way for seven months leading up to that point. Nobody was screaming their name when they were in the, in the weight room struggling to get that squat rack up at that time and they were sweating bullets and they were tired. And it's like, nobody was screaming their name and celebrating a touchdown when they really wanted a little Debbie Cosmic Brownie. Praise God, those are straight from God. But they had to eat the chicken breast instead with no seasoning on it. Nobody was celebrating them at that time because the process, it always takes a process to get to the point of promotion or to get to the point of the product. And one of the things that I see over and over and over again in the Christian world, in the church world, in the faith, is we get obsessed with promotion. We get obsessed with product. We get obsessed with an end result. We get obsessed with a destination. But it's always the process that prepares us for where God's taking us. And if we forego the process, hear me, then when we get to the destination, when we get to the promotion, when we get to the product, then the very thing that we've been trying to get to can destroy us. Because we're forfeiting, we're foregoing the process and what that looks like. If you go read the uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, firsthand experiences and, and testimonies of who God is, of who Jesus is, and what he did in his life and the ministry, you can read that. And if you don't know the context and you don't know the culture and you don't know the history, you can read that and think the whole thing is about Jesus' 33 years of life. And Jesus must have came out of the womb declaring the goodness of God and doing all these amazing things. But here's the thing, watch this. Jesus was about 33 and a half or so years old when he died and he went on that cross and only three years did he spend in ministry. That means for 30 years, Jesus spent 30 years preparing for three years of ministry. He spent 30 years getting the wisdom he needed, sitting under teaching, listening and honoring his mom and dad, getting, listening to the Father, the, the eternal Father, getting downloads from heaven, leading people. He spent 30 years getting ready, going through a process so that the last 10% of his life, the last three years of his life, he can make the greatest impact. And most of us in this room, most of us in life, and it's just a human thing, we want to spend three years getting ready for 30 Give me a three-year process, God. Speed it up. We live in a hot pocket society, right? The problem with a hot pocket is as soon as you pull it out of the microwave and bite into it, it's hot lava. And some of us want to microwave the call of God on our life. And we want to microwave the product. We want to microwave the promotion, and then we bite into it, and it's too hot for us because we're not ready for it yet. And then we get mad because it doesn't feel right, and it doesn't look right, and it's not this. And so I want to talk about this idea that pros love process. 
Professionals love the process. They love process. Amateurs love promotion. Amateurs love product. Pros love process. Process, are, are the reason amateurs love promotion or product, and, and I can live my life, and I can stand up here very boldly and tell you I'm 39 years old. I'll be 40 in July of next year, and for 39 years, I've given a lot of my time to being an amateur. I've loved the promotion. I've sought the promotion. And here's why amateurs love the promotion, because it is the shortest way we want to fast track to the destination. What is the fastest way that I can get to the destination? What is the fastest way that I can get to the promotion? What is the fastest way I can get to the healing? The shortest distance between two points is what? Straight line. But can I tell you, there is no shortcut when it comes to the call of God on your life. There is no shortcut when it comes to what God wants you to do. And rest assured, no matter who you are in this life and no matter who you are in this room, God has a great purpose for you. God has a great plan in you. As long as you have breath and as long as you have blood, you have purpose. And I just want you to hear me. There is no shortcut for that. There is no way to get there faster and it make a greater impact. In fact, I think the greater the impact, the deeper the roots have to grow. The greater the impact, the longer it may take you to get there. And sometimes the process, we gotta lean in to the process because if we don't, watch this, when I try to shortcut the process, the development, when I try to shortcut all that, here's what happens. Our, my reach may grow wide, but my roots never grow deep. And when my roots never grow deep, and I never know who God is, I just know about God. I never really know why I worship, I just get really hyped up on a song that I like. I don't really know why I pray to God, I just do it because I was told to. I don't really know what his word says, I just know to bring my Bible when the pastor's teaching. Somebody, you know, there's, there's a root system. And when my roots aren't very deep, watch this. Anytime a storm comes, the tree can topple real fast. And because my reach is so wide, the storms will come even more. And I'll catch even more wind and I'll catch even more rain and I'll catch even more storm. The amateurs love the promotion, but pros, man, pros love the process. But, and here's the thing about process. It will take longer but it will always develop you greater. Pros love the process because it makes them better. Pros make, love the process because it, it brings out your potential. Lo pros love the process because it makes you do more. And the truth is, is that God, this is what I want you to understand about process, good or bad. Hear me, good or bad. God may not always author the process, but God will always use it. How many of you know that some of the things that you go through in life aren't God's fault. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's my fault. God's not gonna make me show up to Target today and max out my credit card. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not God's fault. I can't look at God and go, how dare you get me in debt like this that I can't get out? Well, God, God's sitting there going, I, I tried to tell you right here in the Bible how to manage your money correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not God's fault, is it? If you go on Facebook today and you start ripping people apart and then you get ripped apart for ripping people apart, that ain't God's fault. Yeah. <laughs> that was you clicking the post button. That wasn't God. If, if, if I decide to be dishonoring the people in my life that are in authority over me or people that I respect and love and they leave my life, how many of you know that's not God's fault? That's mine, right? And here's the truth of, of, of the, 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 the truth of the Bible. Here's the truth of God's character is no matter if I cause it or he authors it, watch this, he always uses it. 
He always uses it. No matter how good, no matter how bad, there's always something he wants to use. And if I really trust that, if I really believe that, then I probably won't go to the, uh, to the rock bottom pit as often as I do. Well, pastor, every time something comes along, it's just a really big deal. You don't know how big of it. I'm, I'm wired to be emotionally driven. Can I tell you something? One of my strengths and one of my weaknesses is I'm an emotional leader. It can be a strength for me because I lead on emotion, so I get really passionate and I get really, I burn bright on what I'm doing, but it can also be a weakness because I can get emotional about the dumb things, right? You know what I'm saying? But here's the truth. If I know that God really works it out for good, then I probably won't hit that rock bottom quite as much as I do. I'll probably just step back and go, you know what, God? This isn't a good thing. Like this situation is not fun. Like my friend's going through this or I'm going through that or a family member or a church or whatever. And the truth is, if I really trust that God's got it in his hands, then I probably won't hit rock bottom and my life won't be over as often as we make out to be. Anybody with me? And I just want you to know today that God's gonna use it. No matter what it is, God's gonna use it. I, I wanna give you this thought, this shareable, if you will. If we despise the process we will take the product for granted. If we despise the process, if we don't enjoy the process, we're getting to the process in a minute, but I'm building up to something. If we despise the process, we'll take the product for granted. For instance, I know what the Bible tells me I need to be as a husband and as a father. I know what the Bible says I need to do. Ephesians chapter five makes it very clear and very plain that I need to love my wife as Christ loves me. I need to love my wife as Christ gave his life for the church. I know it means I need to be sacrificial. I know it means all these things, but can I just be real honest with you? There are times in my life I don't feel like being those things. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I want to sit in my recliner and I want to watch sports. I don't want to watch Hallmark again. I don't want to watch tiny home renovations again. I've seen it 14 times. I don't want it. I want to see people knocking each other's blocks off in highlights of, ah, ha, 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 my man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Sometimes I don't feel like doing the dishes. I know it's been a hard day. I'm not a cuddly guy. I'm not a cuddly guy. I'm not a touchy guy. I don't like to cuddle. I'm not like this guy that's just going to come up. and Like, I, I'm a hugger with people, but then that's just, that's just it. Like, boom, boom, two pats, get off me. It's where I'm at. My wife is a cuddler. She's a toucher. She wants to, you know, like yesterday, she just walks up to me and just starts grabbing my arm. It was creepy. I legitimately looked at her and I said, what are you doing? I didn't know. I didn't know if I had a spider or if she was like, I had arm hair she was pushing down. Like, I don't know. I don't understand. He said, I just wanted to touch you. You're just, you're so cute and I miss you. And I'm like, I'm right here. There's nothing to miss. I'm literally, my presence is next to you in this moment right now. You don't have to wonder, wonder where I, you don't have to call me, you don't have to text me, no FaceTime, no where is he, no Life 360, I'm right here. That's how I'm wired. But here's what I know, the process teaches me, it doesn't matter how you're wired, it matters how you love it matters how you sacrifice. Sometimes I got to step back and go, just rub my arm, babe. Just, you know, just, just pet me like I'm a dog. I love it. We're good. You know what I'm saying, though? 
Sometimes you got to say, you don't feel like doing the dishes, but neither does she. So do the dishes. You don't feel like loving in that moment, but neither does she. So love in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like the process is hard, but when I despise the process, I will despise and I will take for granted the fact that my wife is a gift and that my marriage is an opportunity and that my kids are one of the greatest gifts I have in my life. Why? Because I hate the process of becoming what I'm supposed to be. And so now the product of what that looks like, I don't appreciate. And I, I want to get us to this place. In, in 1 Kings, Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, there's a story. And the story, the, 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 the word story and the picture, as I read it, I kind of picture what's happening and as I'm picturing it, it reminds me that we're all always have, we all always have three different areas of our life that are working out at, at all times. The first part of our life that is always working out is if you could take your life into a summation and put it into a place or a iPhone user, you just drop a pin. That is where you are, right? It's like you drop a pin on your life. Like here's where I am spiritually. Here's where I am emotionally and mentally. Here's where I am physically. And like, this is the place of your life. So the part, first part that's always working out is where you are in the summation of your life. This is where you are. This is your life. This is what it looks like. This is the type of husband you are, wife you are. Father, mother, you know what I'm saying, right? The coworker, this is where you are. And then as we are right here, there's always another place that's over here that is where we want to be. You know what I'm saying? You're, you may be over there, but you're always looking over. For some of you, I can just walk over here into the shadows. You know what I'm saying? And I can stand in the shadows. The camera hates it when I do this. I can stand in the shadows and like, you're like, yeah, that's still not far enough. Can you go in the parking lot next door? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you go over there? Because that's where I want to be. I want to be way further along than I currently am. And so you're over there, but you're staring at over here. Can I tell you something about always wanting to be over here, over here, or over there, or whatever you want to say is never here. The goal line always moves. Because the answer may be, well, here's, here's where I am. Here's how much money I make now. I want to make that. Guess what? When you get there, you're going to want to make more. Well, that's the influence I want there. Well, guess what? When you, when you get that influence, you'll want more. That's the friends I want, then you want more. It's always more, and, and that's not an iner inherently a bad thing at all. But we have to understand that this is where we are. This right here is where we want to be. And there's a space of nothingness in the middle. This is where I am. This is where I want to be. What is this space of nothingness? I want to call it potential. This is the potential that you have within you to close the gap. This is the potential or the call or the purpose of what God has in you to close the gap. And I want to call it the uh, process of potential because process always develops potential. And in this story in First um, uh, Kings, sorry, chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, there's this moment where the gap begins to close but it doesn't close in a way that everybody, every theologian would have thought it would. Let's, let's watch this. Elijah, right? Elijah has been told, you know, he's performed great miracles. He's been um, threatened um, by Jezebel and he's ran and gone into depression and, and been in a cave and he's ran from God and all these things are going on. And he tells Elijah, he says, Elijah, you're gonna go and you're gonna anoint Elisha 
and he's gonna take over your mantle and he's gonna do greater things than you've ever done. Watch this, verse 19. So he departed from there, being Elijah, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. How would you like for that to be your name, by the way? And while he was plowing with 12 pairs, watch where he was at. While he was what? He wasn't preaching, was he? While he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him and him with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. And he, uh, being Elisha, said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Verse 21, so he returned from following him. He took the pair of oxen and he sacrificed them and he boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. There's so many amazing things. There's this part where Elijah is going, I'm about to be replaced and God wants me to anoint the next person, the next prophet, the next great minister in my day. God wants me to anoint him, Elisha, to take that place. And, and, and you gotta notice where Elisha was. You gotta notice that Elisha wasn't on Facebook, was he? Elisha wasn't sitting there posting pictures of where he was on, on vacation. Elisha wasn't sitting there like begging people for a platform and he wasn't trying to be the most seen. He wasn't going, hey, who's a pastor? Who's somebody in town that needs this and needs that? Elisha was doing what? He was plowing his field. Elisha was in where he is in this moment. You gotta understand something, that where you are may not be where you want to be, but it's where God has placed you to be. And when you learn to plow the field where your feet are planted, everything can take place in that moment. God can find you in your faithfulness rather than your promotion. God can find you right in your field. He just needs you to be faithful with where you are. I understand that we want to be there. I understand that there's a gap we're trying to close. I understand I'm trying to make this amount of money and I'm trying to accomplish these things and I'm trying to do this stuff and I'm trying to get this influence and I'm trying to do that and I'm just, I understand every bit of that but I'm telling you, if you'll learn to plow where God has planted your feet, then all of a sudden something can take place and sprout up that will blow your mind in that season and you don't have to always look for the next season but you can encounter the new one I mean the, the current one we can get to a place to where we are is not a curse where we are is not a lobbying where we are is not a platform but where we are is a plowing and see here's the thing about plowing do you know why you plow you plow so that things can take root so that you can plant seeds. In fact, if you plant seeds without plowing, then most of the seeds never take root. You never have the harvest. You never have the fruit that comes up out of that stuff. It washes away or the birds eat the seeds or things take place, they never take root. But when you begin to plow, and see, here's what I know. There's some of you that are in a season to where you feel like you're reaping a great harvest. You're in a good season. You got more money than you've ever had, more influence than you've ever had. Your family and your marriage is doing better than it ever has, all that stuff. But can I tell you something? In those seasons, if you get lazy, the harvest rots. If you get lazy, then you, you lose sight of what's gonna happen and you don't prepare the ground for what could come next. 
You don't prepare the ground for the next harvest. All you're worried about is picking the fruit of this harvest. Oh God, my marriage is so good, so I'm just gonna back off a little bit. I don't have to pray quite as hard. I don't have to love quite as well. I don't have to be quite as intimate. I don't have to do that. I don't, God, my kids are doing well right now. I don't have to train. I don't have to pray. I don't have to... God, I got money coming in. I don't have to budget and I don't have to manage and I don't have to steward. You see what I'm saying? And before we know it, the fruit of where we are, of our blessing, now becomes a curse because it starts to stink and it starts to rot because we haven't prepared it and prepared ourselves for it. Some of you are in that season. I just want to encourage you, don't get lazy, get productive. Get in that season and make it work for you. But some of you are in a place to where you feel a little bit like a beaten down path. And a beaten down path has compacted ground. And you ever been on a path in the woods, maybe a hunting trail or a four-wheeler riding trail or something like that, you know, and, 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 and it's been ridden over so many times and it's been run over so many times. The ground is just hard. You know what I'm saying? And like, you can take a, de- a shovel, but it's gonna take several hits to really get deep into that thing and really break it up. And you know, there's not even grass growing in that area anymore because it's so compacted. And some of you, I know you walked in today and you feel like that compacted uh, trail and that compacted ground and you've been ran over and you've been taken advantage of and there's no grass and there's no fruit and there's no harvest and it hurts and and you're offended because people are talking about you and everything, anybody looks at you the wrong way, it hurts because you're so compacted and you're so, I just want you to know something in those seasons, don't get lazy either. Just pick up a plow and you start plowing. Just make it a little bit looser that day. Just ask the Holy Spirit, God, would you just help the Holy Spirit, heal me just a little bit from the inside out. Would you, Holy Spirit, would you just move in my life and help me become somebody that makes a difference? Just loosen the soil a little bit, God, so that you can plant what you want to plant because, God, I just want to grow your fruit. I just want to do good things. And, God, I just want to be who you called me to be. And it hurts. And I'm beat up and I'm taken advantage of and I'm ran over. And God's just saying, I just want to loosen it. Because I know that where you are, hear me, where you are is not where you want to be. There's a gap. I understand every bit of that. But what are you doing with where you are? That's the real question. Am I appreciating it or am I just mad at it? Am I plowing or am I criticizing? Am I growing good fruit or am I growing rotten fruit? What am I doing in this season with where I am? Let me tell you this about your season. I tell my staff this stuff all the time. You have to learn to eat the meat and spit out the bones. In other words, squeeze every lesson you can out of every season you have for good or for bad. Doesn't matter what the season is, just learn something. There's always something to learn. Somebody says something and it offends you, look at it and get rid of the offense and go, what can I learn from that? There's probably something, some kind of truth that may hurt me, but it will also help me. What is it that I can learn from this? Maybe it's a good thing. Hey, Pastor, you, you preached a good message today. That was, that was an awesome message. Pastor, and, and I don't care if I preach a good message as long as you go out and live it. Three of you got that. That's what I really want. Pastor, you know, this church has been this to me, and it's, it's done great things in my life, and it's helped me draw closer to God. Hey, this is what's happening. Whatever the good season, it, there's still something to learn. I can always get better because when you start, I tell my staff this all the time. It's one of our staff values. We will always continue to grow. In fact, when you stop growing, you stop being effective. What are you learning from the season that you're in? What are you grabbing out of that season, good or 
or bad. And I, I love that Elisha, right? So he's in this process, he's plowing. And then it says he does something with the oxen. He takes the oxen and he kills them, right? And he cooks them and then he eats every one of them, right? No, he doesn't eat them. He feeds everybody else with it. He feeds other people. He doesn't feed himself. He didn't, in fact, he don't need any of it. He takes the wood plow and he creates a fire and he kills the oxen and he, and he cooks the oxen. And let me go on two points here. The first one is this. The reason he killed the oxen and cooked the plow was because not everything that was with you in your past season can go to your next one. Some of you need to really hold on to that. Wherever God's taking you next in your life, whatever, whoever you were, that stuff can't always go with you. In fact, if you do, it creates baggage. And it creates a weight. So you got to get rid of it. What do you need to burn? What do you need to get rid of? What do you need to cook? What do you not need to not take with you? How many of you are excited that you are not the same you were in high school? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I got people in my church that went to high school with me. And for some reason, they think it's hilarious to look back at my high school pictures. No, I love looking back at that stuff. But I'm grateful. Anybody? I'm grateful. I'm grateful I'm not who I was. I'm grateful I don't look that way. I'm about 35 pounds, 40 pounds heavier than I was. And for me, that was a good thing. I needed some weight. I was about 100 pounds soaking wet with a paper bag on my head. It was bad. I'm grateful, I'm not, I'm grateful I don't think like I did in high school. I'm grateful I don't chase the same things I chased in high school. Here's the thing. When you went to college, you had to leave high school things behind, didn't you? And when you graduated college or you went into young adulthood, you had to leave that stuff behind. And when you got married, you had to leave the single life behind. And whenever you had kids, you had to leave the young married life behind. And whenever you do that, you can't manage money at 35, the same that you did at 22. I don't show up to church with the same consumer mentality that I did when I first got to know Jesus. When I first got to know Jesus, my whole assignment was come and learn as much as I could. And I thought that's all there was. No, that's a consumer. God wants me to be a contributor in the kingdom of God and with his church. And so now I want to serve and I want to be a part of it and I want to give and I want to do everything I can. See, aren't you grateful that who you were is not who, or who you are is not who you were? Why? Because you had to let stuff go. Elisha had to burn that stuff. He had to get rid of that stuff. What are you carrying into your next season? What offense, what a hurt, what frustration, what pain, what negativity, what dishonor? Because here's the thing, watch this. Y'all gotta catch this. How you leave your current season is how you will enter the next one. If you allow yourself to leave the, your current season or your past season with offense, you will enter the next one offended. If I allow myself to leave it with negativity, I will enter the next one with negativity. I gotta get rid of some of the stuff I can't carry with me. And then it says that he burnt that and he took care of that. And then watch this, what's he do? He feeds everybody else. What a story, what a thought, what a process. He goes, I, I can't take that stuff with me, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna make leftovers and carry it with me and put it in my little carry-on and just eat on that as I go. No, I'm gonna feed everybody else that's been in my life. Why? Because all the, time, all the things that you've been through in your life, not all of them are meant to feed you. Some of them were just building a testimony. Some of them were just building a story in your life so that when somebody else comes along that's hungry and they need to hear about how good God is, you got a story. 
You've got something that you cooked up that you can tell them. You've got something that God has prepared that you can tell them about. you got them about how God can, has pulled you out of a horrible relationship and how God has saved your marriage. you got a story about how he saved your life and your soul. you got a story about a church when you walked in that loved you when you didn't feel loved. you got a story about how when, the, when you needed him the most and you cried out, crying out with tears in, the bed, in your bedroom floor and you needed Jesus, the Holy Spirit showed up in that moment. you got that story. That's feeding us others. Sometimes your testimony isn't to test you. It's to feed somebody else. So what part of your story needs to go so that other people can know Jesus greater, so that other people get fed, so that other people are pointed closer to the cross, so that other people know the goodness of God in your life. See, I just need you to hear me that when we're in this gap, when we're in the potential gap and we're in the process and we're going through these things, we can lose sight of the fact that where I am is not where I was, but where I'm going has not yet been accomplished. But everything that's inside of me is being developed, good or bad, everything's being developed for God's good because he uses everything. He uses every blessing. He uses every curse. He uses everything you can have. Here's a last thought I want to leave you with today as we're about to pray out. It's this. We can't move in the same direction and expect a different destination. Hear me today, church. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who you are. I don't know who this is speaking to. But here's what I do know. We can't keep moving in the same direction and go, my life is gonna be completely different. No, it's not. I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep managing money the same way I've managed money my entire life and I'm gonna get to a greater destination with more money and more finances and more discipline. No, you won't. I can't keep being the same husband I've always been and end up being a better husband. It won't happen. I gotta turn direction sometimes. I got to go in a different way. I got to change my course. I got to change what I'm going to do. And it comes down to this idea of am I going to embrace the process? And I, am I going to enjoy what God's taking me through? Am I going to embrace the idea that he's developing me? Or am I just going to despise it? Am I just going to be mad about it? Am I just going to be frustrated with it? Whatever that is. And I just want you to know today that everybody in this room, everybody in this room is going through a process. How do I know that? Because you're here because you're breathing, because you're on earth. And so therefore your life isn't to the place of righteousness yet that he says we'll get to when we meet him in heaven. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're all going through process. And I find that oddly comforting that I don't have to go through the process alone, that I don't have to be developed with other people that aren't being developed. I'm developed because we're all being developed and we're all going through this thing together. And we all are developing a testimony. And so what I want to encourage you on today is hold on. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you stop. Don't you give in. You keep pushing. You keep going. You keep plowing in that season. You keep loosening up that soil and asking the Holy Spirit to plant, plant those seeds. You keep doing what you got to do because maybe next time you're the one sharing your story up here and talking about how good it is. And you're feeding other people by the story that God has created inside of you because you are not over and you are not done you may be in a season where you're plowing but he's gonna find you in that season one thing I love about the way we've structured ministry here at radiate is every message every week we have a next step that we ask people to take 
Our next step this week is, is based on something that starts next week. And it's called You Matter Week. We just talked about what does it look like to feed other people with our story? What does it look like to use what God's doing in us to help other people know him? Every single month, we have something called Serve Saturday. We go and serve the community somewhere every single month. But every single year, we do something called You Matter Week. And You Matter Week is seven days to where we have multiple, I mean, tons of opportunities for seven days straight to go and serve the community. And here's why we do it, and we open it up to everybody. Here's why. We can do more together than we ever can apart. And I want to join in with you. I want to do this with you. And so I want to ask you for your next step, would you pray and consider scanning this QR code or going to radiatechurch.net and find the opportunities on how we can serve the community together? Because watch this. We don't come in here to gather together, hear a word, close our Bibles, go home and talk about it. No, we gather in here to worship the living Christ, the living Lord. We gather in here to get inspired to go out there and go make a difference. We don't just gather, we go. And we wanna make a difference in people's lives. We wanna feed them with what God's done in our lives. And there are so many opportunities. We're doing it in Columbia. Florence will be doing it at the same time. And we wanna do it with you. So I just wanna ask you, please, for just a few days, starting next Sunday through that next week, would you take a few days and would you help us serve people in a really practical, Christ-honoring, God-loving way so that we can go out and feed people. Maybe not with spaghetti, (laughs) but with our spirit and with what God's done in us. I want you to be a part of that with us as we change the world one person at a time. Here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to pray over you. Pastor Chris is gonna come out, give us a couple of instructions, and then we are gonna go change the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your character and your love and your grace and your mercy. Because God, we would not be anything without you. And so God, I pray that right now, that right where we are, that we would embrace the process and the season you have us in. Let us put our hands to the plow. Let us plow the ground you have us in as you are developing the potential within us through process and through that gap. God, we wanna make a really, really, really big difference. And so God, don't let us just be church people that come together and we gather, but God, let us be people that go. Let us be people that go and make a difference everywhere that we step, everywhere our footsteps. God, we love you so much. We honor you and I thank you that we came together, we come together today to learn and change the world together. We love you, in your name we pray, amen.